0: Some say he's a technical whiz, some say he was born in Cornwall, while some say he's on a journey. It's the journey, and
1: here's your host, David Hackett!
0: Hi everyone, another journey and today's journey features a personal and traumatic story of struggle and hardship which is covered in their debut book entitled Don't Hold Back. It has given our guests the positive tools and focus that they needed to fight back to create a powerhouse of strength, compassion and dedication to living. Our guest today is going to talk about this and much much more as we welcome Emma Jane Taylor to the journey.
1: Hi, David. Thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure. Now,
0: everyone has a journey. Reading through the bio, obviously, your journeys, as, you know, from what we can see in the t-shirt you're wearing for the people on YouTube, and we will discuss it for the audio side of things, but your journey wasn't the easiest of starts, the journey, but everyone has their beginnings. What was your earliest memory, that? got your journey where you are now oh
1: um well do you know what I think there was lots of things that sort of I can look back and reflect on um and I think you know it was around sort of like um about six or seven years ago when I kind of was I was working on uh that's tv in Oxford and I was interviewing someone about their, their journey and their personal life. And it was the first time that it hit me that um, I was sat there and, and obviously no one knew um, of my troubles. Um, and I was seen as someone um, who had achieved a lot and who was running different businesses. Yeah, of course, behind that was the fact that i had worked very hard to be that person um running the business um and so on and so forth because the struggles of the darkness of my journey um had been very intense you know when i look back i recognized i had such deep deep issues with addictions and disorders and I had to battle so much just to be present in my own life. I never for one minute thought I'd be a campaigner or uh, an author or, you know, a a charity boss or, you know, uh, starting a movement across the world. I just wanted peace. I wanted to feel better. I wanted to feel much stronger in myself about who I was as a person. So, you know, when I look back, I remember sort of, like I say, we're working on That's TV in Oxford thinking, God, I feel a fraud uh, because I have gone through so much to be the woman that I am today. Um, and that's sort of where where this whole journey started for me, really.
0: And because obviously it goes in, like I said, and it says about being a survivor of child sex abuse, abandonment and rejection. And then you drank food throughout your teenage years, took drugs became bulimic do you feel like some of these things you were doing because you wanted to seek validation in yourself because of what happened to you
1: yeah absolutely I think you know when I look back there was a lot of things that I did because it was easier to do them and cover up a whole host of other darkness and problems around me so it was easier to to sort of block that out with um with the addictions um and the things that I was doing so you know, uh, it, it also the bulimia la- allowed me to be in control. Of course, I wasn't in control, but I felt like I was in control by, um, you know, just controlling everything around me, good and bad. But of course, all of that became self harming really because I was damaging myself so greatly. Um, but it did allow me sort of to feel better for moments, <laughs> and I took those moments. Of course, you know, I realised that it wasn't making me feel better at all. It was just buying me time to get through to the next sort of recovery stage of my life.
0: Yeah, and it, you know, the way it is because I suffer from eczema and I've had issues in my life and when I was growing up I just thought me aching my eczema was a way of just de-stressing but I learned later on and it wasn't people telling me it was just what I learned myself they said it was a form of self-harm because that was my way of getting every emotion out so that's why I did because it was self-harm even though it isn't to the obvious eye because you're scratching but yeah they said it was self-harm because I was scratching myself well, I was bleeding and it looked bad
1: mm-hmm. yeah and all of that was sort of the way that you could control things yourself and you know for someone who absolutely has used uh, used all sorts of things to get by I also had eczema actually but my eczema was um, you know because of the difficulties that I'd had I truly believe my uh, eczema was an extension of my mind and actually when I wasn't feeling very good about myself my eczema would flare up or if I ate sugary foods my eczema would flare up um touch wood I haven't had eczema since but all of that really was in in the in the pot of trouble for me you know and I understand how that will have affected you as well it's it's hard and you know
0: for me personally it's There, when I'm stressed and when I'm majorly upset. So, touch word, I haven't been majorly ill with my eczema for the last two, three years because I had it three years ago when I was in hospital because I had sepsis with it and it turned quite nasty. So, Mm. um, by the age of 15, it goes on to say you're exhausted by life addicted and struggling with various disorders and your school life, as consequence struggled. He was often put into isolation. This sounds like me all over again. <laughs> often, long yeah. before, given regular detentions or suspended. And he was labelled a juvenile delinquent by a child psychiatric at the age of 14. Now, I can relate to that because I was always that problem if you want to put it in the nicest way, I was that issue where I was in isolation. I was on report. But this was your way of coping at a young age and no one really understood it because obviously when you're younger in the generation, um, not the modern generation, but the, our generation, people misunderstood it because they just like to say, oh, it's this and slap a quick label on you.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's uh, that's a really important um, conversation to have because you know I was 1972 baby, so you know I was in the 80s in senior school, and we just didn't talk about these kind of conversation society issues like we do today. Um, and it's understanding them, isn't there? So you know, if there is a child behaving in a way that isn't, you know, uh, as as what people could perceive as normal, although I question what normal is these days then you know who is looking behind that child who is looking to see what's going on in their life have you had any kind of um have you got any you know folders open to see what this child why these child, children are behaving this way has it been a consistent uh, behavior or is it just a one off whatever it is it needs looking at um and so you know instead of writing children off and putting them down as naughty children. Children aren't naughty. Children aren't bad. Children are nice. You know, we're we're, you know, we start life so innocently. It's what happens to us along the way that creates uh the behavior and um difficulties that many face. So I think we've moved forward um a great deal, but I don't think we're anywhere close to where we should be on these conversations and you know certainly if you go back to my childhood in the 80s where we didn't talk about it where we are talking about it now but we're not talking about it in a way that I think is uh helping actually because now we've got social media we've got technology we've got the internet we've got a great big world out there that children are just not uh sorry my phone just rang I don't know if you want to edit that out I'll start that uh, if you I Oh yeah, if you can cut and cut and paste that bit, that would be great. Um, yes, you know when you look at society today and the technology that is on uh, going on around us, children aren't being educated to use the technology, the internet, the social media. They're just being given a phone, and some children, as young as sort of seven, eight, nine, and they are finding quite quickly their way around the world and resources that are very damaging. Um, and that's so we are moved forward but we're now not catching up with technology and there's this sort of big gap that really needs looking at. does that make sense
0: yeah it makes sense because obviously when we was in school we just had a traditional school books paper you know we had basic internet probably for myself but you know, in the society of our schools are running now, they give, t- you know, children, and I'm not condoning it because this is just our pure forces not reflecting on anything else. But the fact is they give them iPads. They give them, yes. you know, tablets of any description. And obviously they say it's monetized where they control it. But that's still accessible for anyone to go on and access and look up things
1: absolutely and we need to that's what we need to sort of really control and help young people with and you know personally I don't think we should give children such big technology um, at such a young age I think there should be much more training in primary schools before a child goes on to have that piece of technology that connects the world because um, they're finding and seeing things that they just shouldn't be and that is causing great great uh, problems for the society for that generation
0: mm, because you, I touched upon what happened with you as a child about surviving child abuse. This is a common thing that is on today's society with technology. It's not a simple of a, you know, they get you know go on the internet. It's easy. There's no way of stopping these things, even though they say are safeguards in place. There is loopholes around it. Mm.
1: Now, yeah, uh, nicely,
0: now, now. I use social media quite, you know, often. I don't use Facebook as much as I used to, but you know, you got social media apps like TikTok. Don't get wrong, I have got TikTok, yes. but at the same time, there is dangers on TikTok. There's dangers on Snapchat. There's dangers where they get people to be, and this is a common one I've been reading about. You get people saying, "I'd like to chat to you." Okay, I chat to you. You don't know who they are. They give you this image. And now, if you don't know the website, you can't cross reference that web, you know, picture of that website, which is a useful tool as well, I find. That's how I find out if mm. it's built or not. And then they say, Oh, I don't want to chat here. I feel like I'm not here often. Let's go to, and they then give you a Google Meet chat. Now, that's the mm. most common place for. And I will say event abusers are, because they say, catch us on Google chat. Google yes. is Google then, Google is the most popular for you know site out there. You go on there, you give your details, they'll sell it pretty much.
1: Absolutely.
0: And then and then, and, uh, and then, and then and, exploit you. Yes. And you know,
1: children are being exploited. Uh, they well every second of every day, really. But a lot of them don't realise they're being exploited. A lot of parents don't realise they're being exploited in the way they are. And so, you know, how do we stop that? How do we get that? How do we make that change to like close that down? Well, you know, I think sometimes I think the like I say, you know, give children of a primary school a phone, just a phone like the bricks that we had when we were growing up, and then you know, as they go to their senior school. You can start introducing uh, the bigger technology, but there has to be training behind it. There has to be awareness and also the dangers around this so that parents and children can be much more wisely, um, you know, much more wise around what they're doing and the decisions that they're making.
0: Yeah, so we touched upon the past now we're going into the present because obviously we have to be mindful because you've already told me you've got to be by a certain time so I'm trying to condense it quickly into one
1: no 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 that's fine
0: <laughs> but talking about your present you've shown a t-shirt for the people who are listening she's wearing. I would describe it as a white t-shirt it's probably blue part the way the camera looks is white and it's got the campaign that you've got set up and i like the words that's written can you explain and tell us what the words are for the people yes so written. this
1: is um this is a campaign i launched this year it's called hashtag not my shame now this is uh about two three years ago i kind of floating around this conversation and i was realizing that you know there's a lot of there's a lot of media around perpetrators there's a lot of noise about you know um they're what they're up to, what they're doing. And I was like, I'm kind of a bit sick of this, right? You know, there are so many survivors swirling around, feeling just unheard, um, triggered by all the journalists and media and attention um that the press give to perpetrators. And I wanted to turn that around. And so um so yeah, so um I created this campaign. I threw out a comment about two years ago. I said it's not my shame. Um, I'm not afraid to say I was sexually abused as a child. I was a child, and it's not my shame. So, um, and it was you know, it, it, and it was not my fault. It was not my shame. And I think those are the things that we really need to be clear when we're helping people on these conversations, um because people are just like I say, people are just not feeling heard. And we if we can help people feel heard and help turn this conversation so, not just survivors, also um, allies can start having a better understanding of a conversation that has suppressed survivors for such a long time, then I think the breakthrough will be huge and it will be a conversation that gets recognised. I think it will be, you know, much more comfortable. It's going to take some time, right? And it's not a comfortable conversation to have. No one really wants to talk about child sexual abuse apart from survivors. Um but we really need to start having more conversations because um, we know that there are some allies. There are partners out there supporting survivors. There are partners out there trying to understand this conversation. Um, and we need to sort of help sort of put it out there. So I put it on a T-shirt. You know, there's so many great causes on T-shirts around the world um, for every charity and movement out there. And I thought, you know what, why not? Why not child sexual abuse? Why don't we make this? um why don't we make this a thing anyway I put the um put the t-shirt out there because I just didn't feel like I wanted to hide anymore I sort of felt why shouldn't I wear this t-shirt that exposes someone else's secrets because like millions of others I've harbored that secret for most of my life and of course I really do understand why I did this but I don't want to anymore it's quite simple it's not my shame I'm proud to be here I'm proud to be empowering um survivors turning up the volume on this conversation and uh yeah and getting it out there so you know I put it on a t-shirt someone else was like oh actually I like that can I have a t-shirt and (laughs) and it's grown and grown and grown we're selling in um Australia America Canada Dubai um South Africa um Pakistan and obviously a lot of Europe as well so yeah it's been Huge. We've got soap stars, pop stars, journalists coming in to support the movement and have their picture taken or uh, share a video. I've just had um someone from Coronation Street share a video wearing the T-shirt as well. So, yeah, it's huge. Uh, and, and I'm proud to be here.
0: Yeah, and I support it because obviously I wasn't a child. Yeah, I was mentally abused as a child. I'm not going go into that, but... I was sexually abused the year I left home, which was when I was 18. Mm. So I always, for so long, held that inside me. I'm not ashamed to admit it now, because you said it's not my shame. But the fact is, abuse can happen at any age from a young, and you remember the case probably as well. You hear about the situation when young babies die unnecessarily, Yes, they got punished, the people involved, and I think you know what you are talking about. The case in London in 2006, I think it was. He was abused as a young baby, he got mm. killed because of that instance. So, but he hasn't got a voice to come in 10 years' time and say, it's not my shame. But people Mm. who do know what I'm talking about, like I said, I'm trying to not talk about it because it's not ill now and it's not my place to go legally into the legalities of it. But the fact is, he got killed because he was abused. He wasn't protected.
1: Mm. And these stories are so sad, David so sad and um and like you say that that child now can't be with us to say it's not my shame Mm. because they had their life taken from them in so many ways obviously from being sexually abused and 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 now obviously not here because um they've lost their life so you know and that makes me feel really sad because I know that that story um has repeated many times over the years um and you know so the survivors that are here standing up to be heard uh, are doing so because of the children that aren't here and that we can make that voice we can be present and actually you know as I step forward the voices get bigger and bigger and bigger people who I know very well <laughs> um are stepping forward to tell me now they might have known me for years but now they feel comfortable to say actually yeah that did happen to me once and you know and I'm thinking goodness how many people how many people across the world have been sexually abused as children but either don't want to talk about it have suppressed that memory so much that um it's not even part of you know it's not even on their radar anymore um and, you know, and it, and it and it should be because it's serious and we can't just push this away and pretend it doesn't happen.
0: It's like I've been reading, and I'm not saying I've been over-reading it, but there's been a famous scenario, you know, where uh, I don't know how much you've heard of it, but there was a person who complained about a certain celebrity abusing them when they were in, you know, I think they were in a, school for you know girls who had issues in life and it came out that this person abused her mm. and now that person who abused her is not here anymore but it shows that the you know damage that it did to that person because that person was damaged for life mm. now they've written eight books talking about mm. her life life and you know i haven't interviewed her but I've watched her interviews on YouTube, I've read her books, so I can understand. But it doesn't get easier as you get older, because people say it gets easier once you tell it, but it doesn't, because the damage is there, the scars are still there, things still do happen to you. Yeah. Yeah, and, you
1: know, I think all of this kind of circles back to the fact that we just cannot just sit here and um, suppress and uh, pretend that nothing uh, untoward has happened because we want to keep the peace. We need to step through and say, look, this happened, this happened, this happened, um, and it wasn't right. Um, And we need to spread the word because there'll be other people around who are facing similar difficulties because of what happened to them. Um, And that's why this conversation now is vital that we grow and expand, um, uh, expand it so that we can reach people. Really, we can reach people. um, And just by doing these interviews, these podcasts, by putting a campaign together, you're reaching people. You know, it's dropping you know, it's it, it's it's dropping that, that stone in the pond and watching the ripple of people going, actually, yeah, OK, I might not want to wear a T-shirt. I might not want to speak out loud, but it did happen to me. And actually, maybe I should go and get some help. Maybe I should speak to somebody. Maybe I should document it.
0: Yeah, and you st- um, your debut book, Don't Old Book, is that talking about what happened as you grew up with your issues or is it just... yeah it
1: is so and the book is called don't hold back and it's a motivational tool but based on my own journey in life and what I went through to be who I am today and like I said I mean I never for one minute thought I would um be here sort of speaking up and out or, or with a campaign or with a book or so on and so forth but I've done it um because I know uh how important it is for others to hear other people's stories not just mine I mean everybody anybody who's gone through this sharing their story is going to be helpful to somebody um and so you know you might not want to in my book is very motivational it's a tool book so there's lots of things in there that can give a thought process to how you might want to sort of look at your therapy your healing your recovery um There was obviously chapters on my story, but mine was much more about my recovery. And I I found, you know, I wrote that many times before I actually sort of didn't delete it. I kept writing and deleting, writing and deleting, writing and deleting. And then suddenly I was like, no, I want to write. I want to get it out. It was like, like I was, you know, regurgitating years and years and years. And it was just coming out. And as it was coming out, it was just hugely liberating um and then obviously got the confidence to take it forward and out into the public but yeah so that book sort of came about because I really sort of wanted to give back some hope to to somebody just to sort of say look you're not alone and um together we can all make a big difference on this
0: yeah and I applaud you for actually giving that message to show people that there is hope even if it seems like there isn't there is hope for someone out there Uh, yes and it's good to talk in that way
1: it really is you know when I first spoke out on a big scale I found it terribly um nerve-wracking and I felt sick actually but after I had done it I felt very um I think very empowered and even if I kind of sort of felt even if I never spoke about this again I had um you know uh I had got something out, which I hope would give someone some hope. So, you know, just by doing that allowed me some sort of freedom from this conversation. And that night I got home and I had an inbox full of people saying, I've just listened to you speak at this event. Um, thank you. It gave me some hope and inspiration. So um, so it did that. It ticked a box. And like I say, from then, like that was in 2016, 2016 to now, seven years later, and here we are. I mean, so much has happened since then. The journey that has gone on has been huge. Mm.
0: And it then says, and says what I always like about when I hear people and they've done it, the TEDx speaker. down that's a bigger platform than just talking to 100 people. You're talking to potentially more than you expect. So that was a big step for you as well.
1: That was a huge, huge step. And um, it was a, the TED Talk, was something that I really wanted to do for a long time because I had my message was you know about the 90-10 statistic and um, you know I really wanted to get that out there that 90% of children that are being abused are being abused by someone they know yet we are only educating um, the 10% of stranger danger and it's kind of not really balanced at all in that respect because we know that uh, child sexual abuse is you know much more prevalent within um the network of people known to the victim so uh yeah so I I was really chuffed to get that out there and um I did a, I spent a lot of work on it just to make sure that I had the talk track right um for this message so yeah so uh, and it went out in 2021 um, oh, no. and it's had some you know it's had a it's good response which has been nice and uh, I've had great feedback from it, so. And yeah,
0: I'm going good. to make sure I put the link in the description post edit, but.
1: Thank you.
0: Going forward, um, how do you feel the advancements are going? Do you feel like there is going to be better advancements in understanding child abuse as a whole, or do you feel like it's going to remain static and remain where people do get it out, but it isn't going to be out there?
1: um well i'm going to have to say we have to have a change right because it, it wouldn't otherwise all this work that i'm doing um would just not feel like it's being done in a positive space yes there has to be change yes there has to be a better education and support system and network for survivors for victims for safeguarding teams for children um so i think already we are stepping forward there's campaigns out there there was charities doing great work out there already Um, the work that I'm doing with my charity Project 9010 is about education and protection and awareness so we are looking at working with safeguarding teams and parents um, doing awareness campaigns um, and events to really raise awareness for child sexual abuse so um, in my world uh, yes I absolutely see that there's a change the dynamic has changed the conversations have changed even within my own personal life um Across the world, I do see a change, but my greatest fear is that we're 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 street we're miles ahead on technology conversations um, around child sexual abuse. So we know it's there. There are lots of good conversations happening online um, and in the media about um, the difficulties of the online world and sexual abuse and predators. Um, but we're nowhere close to where we should be, um, and there needs to be that gap is so big we need to close that we need some bigger investments and that obviously we need to come from probably the government um and but we don't get that and so there is this this void at the moment but I know that there are some good people out there doing some good work so I think we're we're a lot further ahead now than we were when I was uh in the 1980s but um We need to keep that up to keep up with technology, to keep up with the way the world is adapting, and you know the growth of this conversation.
0: Okay, and obviously there is websites and ways people can get in contact with you. How can people get in contact with you or get a copy of your book?
1: Um, So, yes. So if you go to my website, www.emmajanetaylor.com, if you go on there, you'll find links to all of my social media. You'll find links to my campaigning, to all um, documents and articles uh, around me and the work that I'm doing uh, in the space of child sexual abuse. There's contact forms there so you can have a have a good look and you'll find out a way to either join the campaign, put on a T-shirt and be part of it or even just using the hashtag. Um, It all helps um, along the way with this movement.
0: And one last ultimate question. What would you say to people watching or listening to this now to help them move forward to feel like there is something there for them?
1: I think it has to go back to the not my shame. And I think it has to go back to remind um, remind us all that child sexual abuse is not... Fault of the child. They did nothing wrong. They were just children. It's not their shame. There is a lot of resources out there. There is a lot of people to support, to listen, to help, to signpost. Um, But more importantly, for them to know that they are just not alone and never have been.
0: It has been a pleasure talking to you about your journey. I hope we are getting that one step forward in helping others understand you and help you know develop the way that they can never feel alone.
1: Thank you. Yeah, well it's been a pleasure. Uh, and uh, it's been great to talk to you, David. Thank you. Thank you.
0: That was the journey hosted by Wise Words Imaging, hosted by David Hackett. Be sure to like, subscribe and listen to another journey coming soon.